You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kibalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Okay, here we're starting. All right, Shalom, everyone. Um, I hope it was a decent day for everyone. Uh, it's good to see that we have a nice group. Uh, we're going to do our, our learning again as we've done uh, 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 20, 30, 40. We're going to have 20 minutes of Halacha, 30 minutes of Yerushalmi, 40 minutes of Bavli. Let's start with the uh, Yersha, with the Halacha. You can see it on the screen if, if you need it. Im Higilu that was not such a smart idea. Why? Because the Yorah, this pot that you had, was a Chomet's pot. Now, why were you doing that? Well, who knows? Maybe you thought you had, it was a huge pot, and the amount of water you have in it is not enough to be mavatal the Chomet's that's in it. And what sort of pot is it? It's a Bas Yoma. It's, it's a pot that you used for Chomet's that day. Viyardu hamayim, and now the water spilled out of that pot. In other words, that pot, the chametz came out of the dofneakli into the water, and uh, now the water is chametz. So what are you going to do now with this water? You should throw it away. But what happened instead was this chametz water went into a bore, and where now that bore is bitoch pesach. That bore. It's during Pesach, and that's where you have other water. So now you have a mixture of two waters, Chametz water and your normal water. So the halacha is, this is from the tour, you should not drink that water. Why? Bishvil, as the, as we go on here, Bishvil, to the next page, Shenitarvu, because there's been a mix. <laughs> There's now been a mix of the of the good water and the bad water. You shouldn't drink the water. Now the Mishnah tells us, if you take a look uh, in the Mishnah he says that Samach Zayin Perish Afla Matirin Sonin Leel Mishum Deno Notein Tam Kalal. You could have said, well, water's not a problem. Remember, you need to have heat in the water. <laughs> That's true. Mikoba Komhocha Osur Dalydation it Arvu Hare Gufa Chomets Murvbo. You're right, the cold water is not such a problem. The problem is the hot water that this was originally. Originally this was hot water. The Chomets went out of the Kaili into the hot water, and even though now it's all cold water, but it has definite Chomets in it. And therefore, uh you should not uh use that water. Okay. Now, im nimtza the mishnah goes on. Im nimtza garine tuwa beber mayim bepesach. What about if you find in your bear mayim that you use for water? Baruch Hashem, we go to the we have water from our tap, but in those days they didn't have always the ability to have water. They would have water in wells and pits. And let's say in the drinking water pit, in the drinking water well, they found a uh, a piece of chametz, a piece of tuwa, on pesach. So Kosvach Ronim Shiroi Lizaire Bachomadev Shovish Tamish Bosan Maimibesach that you shouldn't use them. I feel Matir and Bitsone. Even though it's cold, because who knows how long that piece of Khamitz was in there. 
the Shema Nichbash Batocho Me'et Le'et Bavikovush. We talked about this the other day, that when something sits in water for 24 hours, it starts to put its tom into it, just like is with, with fire, or just like with salting. And therefore, uh, in this case, who knows how long that piece of wheat was there. The Shema Nichbash Batocho Me'et Le'et Bahavi Kovush. Bikomakom, on the next page, the Mishnah Berurah says, if that's the only water you have, and water, of course, is crucial. Water is a very crucial thing. As you can see here, I'm pointing on the cursor. Maybe it's been there for 24 hours. True, the piece of wheat might have been in there, but the weed itself isn't a problem till it starts to pop. Maybe it didn't start to pop until it was less than 24 hours sitting there. And you didn't have a situation of it, of it, of it being uh, dumped in there, like, like, like marinating, so to speak, in there from the time it became comets. And therefore, uh, you would, this wouldn't be a problem. Um, and of course, uh, okay, good. That is Sifud Gimel. Now let's go to Sifud Dalit. Im Nimtse. Rabbi. Yes. Rabbi, what about, Rabbi? Yes, What about, he got, he got, he got water. The, the seed already got water, get heavy, and he's going down to the bottom. You don't see it. Right. You don't know if it's there. Right, but so, you, when you, we're talking in a case, Tion, where you discover the piece of wheat, you discover the chita, and you discover it in the yeah. water. That's the case. Now you have a problem with the water. I'll pee the psak of the shulchan aruch. You should be machmir. But the Mishnah Bura has told uh, us that this is the only water you have. You can be mekel. Im nimtes chita mivukat betarnagolus kodem melicha. Now we know. We talked yesterday about putting the the chicken in hot water putting other animals in hot water in order to get the fur off and the and, and, and the feathers off. Now we're talking about the idea of putting, uh, you have the chicken, and now the question is, uh, you need to salt the chicken to get the blood out. So, you find inside the Tarnagola, you find a piece of wheat. Well, you haven't salted it yet. So, you know what you all have to do? Dai bishtifa. Just wash that area off. Dai bishtifa. Now, now it might be a problem. Because now there's the assumption, of course, is that it was there the whole time. And you salted the whole chicken. And you salted all the spots of the chicken, including the inside where the, where the wheat was. So now the salt creates an energy that might spread this chita. In, you haven't cooked it yet, but the salt creates an issue. However, what is the issue? It's enough to do klipa. All you have to do is basically assume that it's spread a little bit, just the top layer. So just right where the chita is, you take off the top layer of chicken, and that's enough. V'yesh machmirin lomer, some say, Shemamik kol, turns to the next page, kol svivoseha, that basically the whole around area, 
In other words, it isn't just Kadei Klipa. Some say it's like this. Normally, when you have an Isur, and it's not Pesach, we say that the Isur, if you salt it, the salting only causes a subtle amount of spreading. And all you have to do is take the top layer off. But the idea behind it is because the other places, it dissipates and it's bottle Bishishim. However, right around it, right near the area, on the skin, right there, there we assume it, there's a problem, and that's why we make you cut that area off. The rest of the area, there is a spreading, but the spreading is so tiny that you don't have to worry about it because it's bottle. But on Pesach, since Chometz is also Bamashu, you have to assume it did continue to spread. So basically, everywhere around where you found it, not just the top layer, everywhere around it, you need to cut away and throw that away on Pesach. That's not the Ramah, that's the Machaber talking. Let's say, with this, you, you put salt on everything, and, and you salted all these chickens together. So we say it spreads from one to the other. So therefore, you have to do klipa on all the chickens, because we feel the salt is able to spread. Again, this is obviously a big humrah. However, the, here the Ramos says, uh, yes. How, what part of the other chickens are you going to collect? Okay, so let's take a look. It's a good question. Let's take a look at the Mishnah Burr and I in bit. Kolefet kulam. Umayri kishenimtza hachita latarnagolas. Diyesh lesapek shemen naga hachita bikulam. In other words, you have to basically, you're, it's not inside the chicken. The, the piece of wheat is on the chicken. So you are, you are misupic that maybe this piece of wheat was rolling around while you were salting. And therefore, you need to basically cut off the top layer of all the chickens. In other words, you, you were salting all the chickens, and this was on top of one of them. So the Chumrah was, oh, hmm, salting. Salting creates klipa. This thing is a, a bouncing ball that's a problem, this thing that's bouncing. So therefore, you have to be machmir and, and, be, and cut the top layer off of all the chickens. Now, if it's inside, like it was earlier, then you wouldn't have to be machmir here. Let's see what the Ramos says. Some are so machmir and that hold that when you have salted chicken and you find a piece of wheat on one of them, you can't eat any of those chickens. Avo, even though some are very machmir, we don't accept that. Even the Ashkenazim don't accept that. Only that one. The, completely. In other words, the Shulchan Aruch says all you have to do is cut away Kedei Klipa or maybe Bisaviv, a little deeper. The Ashkenazim hold in that case, you should throw, you should not use that piece of, uh, you should not use that chicken at all. Don't use the one that you found the piece on. Don't start cutting away. Osachatika Shinimtset, next page. Hachita Aleha. Uwahater Acherot. And Ashkenazim would allow, next page, Ashkenazim would allow the other ones. However, what should you do? 
if you feel it was a bouncing ball that was rolling around, al yidei by cutting away some of it. Now, however, here's another kula from the Ramah. If you want to, you can sell it all to a guy. Remember what we talked about, because the and you sell it to a guy because it's no, it's not worth any more because of the piece of chita that might have been on it and might have inserted itself. Commotion is bar and simintof memzayin. Now, Ashkenazim will not sell other stuff that might be mixed in with chametz to a goy. The whole idea is selling it to a goy not before Pesach, on Pesach, because you're not getting hano from the chametz. You're only selling the chicken. You're not selling the chametz that possibly might have penetrated the chicken. The, the cost is basically going to be the same. It's not, you're not going to charge any more. If you want, charge a little bit less, and that would be fine. Cain nearly that you're allowed to do in this case. So the Ramah gives us a little bit of a kuva. Uh, if you take a look at Ayin Vav, and we'll stop with this. Ayin Be'oyo Rabba, Be'oyo Rabba explains, uh, if you want, I can show you where we are. Ayin Be'oyo Rabba, Shadaito Daramo The Ramah is referring to the other pieces, but not the one itself, that you shouldn't sell, but the other acronym, um, Say that even according to the Ramah, you would be able to um, uh, to actually sell even that piece to a goy. And then the next thing here in the Ayin Zion tells us the Taz says Shahoru Lamaisa who I did the Mutar Vahasher Sharachatikos Adachar Pesach. In fact, you don't have to sell them if you if if you're able to preserve them in the cold or something, and you're not using them, you could actually wait till after Pesach, just wash away the chita. And you can actually use it after Pesach. On Pesach itself, you should be machmer. It's only a chumrah. But after Pesach, you would be allowed, according to the Taz, to use the, um, to be able to use them. Um, Rabbi? Yes. Rabbi? Uh, just a question. Now, um, the, this is where you're like cooking uh, three or four or five chickens in a pot. Is that it? This is where you haven't even cooked them yet. You've salted them. Cooking them yeah, and is you found a, 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 Right. You've, okay. And you found some hummus on one of the chickens. Right. Right. So, so uh, once you've cooked So it, how does that work that the other ones are also hummus if it's only in one in one chicken? So that's what I explained to Mr. Oyazada. The, the Mishnah Burr said that since you found it on top of the chicken and, you, and it's all on one big table that you've been salting, it's possible that this piece had been rolling around and it touched all the pieces while you were salting. Okay. I, okay, thank you. Okay, all right. So that is the that is the shulchan aruch for today, um, and let us now transfer to the next limud. Uh, it's about eight o'clock, so let's transfer to our next limud, which is the limud of the Yershami. So I have the page here up here on the on for you, and we got to the Mishnah Lochadalid. It's at the bottom of page one of today's uh, handout. And I hope this Yerushalmi is going to give us a lot of chizuk during this corona uh, virus time. Uh, when you go into a big city, <laughs> I'm not telling you you should go into New York City. I was technically in New York today because I had to pick up Pesach products in Staten Island. I don't know if that counts as New York City. But if you're going into a big city, you should, you should have two tefillot. Achas 
One, when you go into the city. Ben Azai Omer, you should actually have four Tvivot. Arba'a. Shtayim b'chnisato. Shtayim b'tziyato. And what is that? V'notein adal l'shavar. Because besides the prayer that you got out, all right, you need a special prayer about the past, about how God has been good to you. V'tzoik. But then appeal to God. Don't be afraid to scream. Beg God on the future. And by the way, right now is Choftet uh, Adar, which is uh, my father's yard site. I mentioned that before. So this is uh, what we're going to be learning. I hope you all take as a schut for Enlili Nishma. Shall Meir Ben Zion, that's not Meir Zion, Meir Ben Zion, Ben Rabbi Yisrael Yishayah. That was my uh, my father and my grandfather. So this is the it's 20 years since he passed away. So, Atzoek Allah in Lavo. Next page. Nichnas Lukrach, Mispalel Shtai, Machos, Pitchisakas, Bitsioto, Pachnisato, Mawomer, Yerot Salmil Fanecha, Adonai, Eloha, Eloheavotai, Shatakni Saini, Lukrach, Zelu Shalom, let me go into this city with Shalom. Bitsioto, Omer, Modani, Lufanecha, Hashem, Elokai. That you allowed me to go into, at least be in the city, and thank you. Ben Azai says, Mavarach Arba, Shtayim Bechnisato, Shtayim Bitsiato. But Chisato, Omer Yerzom of Anach Hashem, Elokai, Velokai Avotai, Shatach Niseini, Lekrach Shalom. Allow me to get into this city, please, God and God of my fathers, Bishalom. Nichnas, Omer, when you get in there, you say, Thank you for letting me get in here. Then you talk about the future. Let me please leave here unaffected, without infection, without anything negative happening, without any people making complaints about me and bringing me to the police or whatever it is. When he leaves the big city, he says, You're getting on the 278, you're getting on to the Holland Tunnel. You say, please, God, let me get out of this city. When you get out of the Holland Tunnel, pull over and say, And then you talk about the future. Let me let me get make it home to Elizabeth. Oh, wherever you're going. Now, who That's if what you're worried about is you went around the Gentile neighborhoods. That's the areas you were visiting. If the places you were visiting were the Jewish places, maybe you don't have to make that bracha. It's not so dangerous in the big city. But but if it's a place where people are being taken in the street and being killed, it's a dangerous place from the government. And I would say for to the coronavirus today, a place, Nebuch, it might be beautiful, Borough Park, Williamsburg, all these places. But if it's a Mokum Shahargensham, a place where people are dying, even if you go to the Jewish neighborhood, Still, you should be making a bracha that you're able to make it and survive and be safe and get out of there. Um, just to ask everybody, I, 
I know I see Effie there. Effie, are you? Uh, I know you used to go into you stopped going into New York. I hope every day, right? Effie. Yeah, but I did. I stopped, but I might have to go in for work this week. We'll see. And I have to take my mom shopping, so I have to figure that you out. You have too. to worry about this bracha. You have to worry about this bracha. I don't know if anybody else is going into Mamish, New York. Again, I went into Staten Island. I don't think that counts. But if you're going into New York, you should be very, very, very concerned. I'm going, Rabbi, tomorrow. What's bracha? I have a question. Rabbi, question do I have to go? I would make this bracha. First of all, I would tell you, do not. Go into New York, okay? Do what, not what go about into Brooklyn. What about Kiva? My mom wants me to come to take her shopping. What's my obligation? Can I tell her no? All right, that is a good question. Uh, if you if you uh, if you blunt your microphones, I'm going to answer. Okay. The question is, uh, just blunt your microphone, please. Okay. Uh, the question was, we talked here in our Yerushalmi learning today, that if someone goes into a dangerous city, he might go among the Jews. But if it's a dangerous city, he needs to be mitzvahel and beg God and, and, and hope from God that he's not going to be hurt. It's very, it's a very big sakana. And um, what I would say, uh, if you would, you should contact chesed organizations in New York to see what they can do for your mom. Effie, that's what I would say. Um, Going into bingo or any of these stores, again, we want to limit people from uh, being uh, exposed to the outside. Even though we know normally a mitzvah is a big mitzvah, I would try to speak with her and see what can be done. Um, Especially, Effie, if there's someone else there that can do something for her. Obviously, you don't want someone to suffer. If if your mother doesn't have anyone, then you should definitely go there and take precautions and do what you can. But I would be very uh, suspicious. I would be very careful about going into a big store uh, or something like that right now. Okay. Rabbi, can he order online? The, the question is whether that'll whether people are even delivering or whether that could happen for your mom. Um, I, I would be careful, Effie, about it. And again, you can ask another rabbi, but I, I would be careful about it. And you need to perhaps speak to your sister and speak to your uh, brother. And oh, <clears throat> rabbi, Effie, you have a very nice sister. I don't know her, but I know her husband. And I would say that if they're over there in New York, I would say that uh, they should be once the she's do, she's do any day. So she's do any day. She's do any day. So I'm not what sure what uh, you know, won't be able to do it. Um, I, I I don't know if we have the but it's a but it's I think if you're a doctor or if you're a health if you're a health a doctor, a, a health professional, it's one thing. I think if you're a son, I think you need to speak to your mom. If you want, let her call me. I'll talk to her if you if you need her to talk to me. Let's go on in the Gemara today. I think you'll enjoy it. Rabbi, um, I I'll go I pick did. up the... Uh, Rabbi, my question. Yes. A very short question. I have to go to get a matzah. Zikud Arabi, matzah tomorrow. I don't go? You're going to pick up the matzah from the matzah factory for the Jews of Elizabeth? 
or for yourself? Correct, and uh, and Borough Park, yes. And uh, and okay. I I would. Uh, you are picking up matzah for the city of Elizabeth, for for Rabbi Tites and for other people in Elizabeth. See him. Correct. Okay. If you are the one that I make the bracha. I would, I, 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 would, I, I would be mitpalel this tefillah. Yes, I would. I would. Okay. So I, I missed the part of what tefillah is it? Maybe, maybe. It's right around the page. And when you come in, you should say, the New York, Ken Yiratzon, Milfanecha, Shetotzieni, Mitocholi Shalom. It's right here on this page. Print up this page. Can you send? Can you send it on WhatsApp so it'll be easier when if we do have to go? I'll, I'll Which page are we are, Rabbi? Page two of the Yerushalmi. Page two of the Yerushalmi. It's on the screen, Bano. Now, let's go on. Niknas lebeis hakisei. Okay, so that's what I would tell you, Tzion. I would also tell you to wear a mask. I would also tell you to wear gloves. And I would also tell you that the people who, who are bring when you bring the matzot, that they should, um, uh, uh, that the, the, the cases of the matzah, the uh, containers of the matzah should be left outside and bring in the matzah. Um, well, uh, the, uh, the, Moroccan, the, Moroccan, the Moroccan don't go with mask. <laughs> wear a mask, Tzio. Wear a mask. Mm. Next. Okay, you're going into a, you're going into Borough Park, uh, even if you're going for the shame of a mitzvah. Again, I would ask Rabbi Tights again. But I would ask Rabbi Tights if he says you should go, you should go. You should definitely make this tefillah. Can everybody please, okay, please now it's time to shut your microphones, please. Please everyone shut their microphone. I'm gonna write a note to everyone. Which Shura Rabbi? Um, Avrami says, by the way, Avrami has a note here. Tell your mom to give you a shopping list. Definitely don't take her shopping. Good. I guess that's a good advice too, Avrami. And I'm going to ask everybody again, please shut your microphone. All right, let's go on. We're wasting some time here. And I know Moshe is not too happy about that. Here we go. Um, uh, if a person goes into the bathroom, uh, he makes two brachot. We don't make these brachot today. What is that? You honored incredible angels. You have such great kavod. Mishor Sekodesh. You are the ministers of holiness. Derech Eretzu. It's a Derech Eretz. Panu Derech. Please, move away. I need to go to the bathroom. Baruch HaKel HaKavon. Kishu Yotzei Ma'omer. When you leave the bathroom, what do you say? Baruch HaSher Yatzarat Adam Mechachma. Now, we talk about Sakana. In the time of Chazal, there was weighing the balance between things that were dangerous and things that were necessary. One of the things that was necessary to be healthy was to have hot baths. Not every day, maybe, 
but at least once a week, maybe twice a week, depending on where you were living. The problem was hot water, which could clean your body of various germs and possible infectious and other things that were infectious things that are on you and things like that. In order to get hot water to work, they had to construct a very dangerous building. And still, you see, we we didn't tell people not to use the bath because we looked at the big picture. We wanted people to be in some state of cleanliness, but it was dangerous to go use the bath. The, the common bathhouse because of the fire that was underneath the water and because of the way they constructed it. Therefore, Keshu, let's take a look. <laughs> Make sure that I don't get burned by the fire because there were these coals and heat, right? And maybe I don't want the water to be so hot that I get burned by it or, or, or it spills on me when I'm not ready. Or it could be the, the whole wall, the whole floor could, could start to crumble. So you need, so it's, it's an incredible chazal here because they didn't tell people not to go to the baths. It did happen. I don't know if it happened all the time. Obviously not. But there was a chance it could happen. There were, there were accidents that occurred on a regular basis in these bathhouses, but maybe even higher than 2% or whatever the coronavirus is, 2 or 4%, whatever the percentage Nebuch now is in New York. But the bathhouses, they didn't tell people not to go to bathhouses. They told them to be mitpalel when they were going to the bathhouse. Val yever dover benafshi, ve'im yera, and if something happens, if God, you decide that this is going to be the end of me, I take the death, I accept it, and it should be a kapara on my averot. Please save me from anything like this. I don't want to die. If I need to die, let it be a kapara. But it should be a atzoa for this latin lavo. Kishu yud say, Omer, when you leave the bathhouse, you say, you saved me from the fire and the danger of fire. That's a bathhouse, uh, upper grade one, that it's really hot, that you, you know the fire is burning. They're taking hot water from another place, but there's no flame here. And they carry the hot water in buckets or whatever it is in, 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 to another spot. And that's where they do their washing. There, ain't no Omer, you don't have to worry about the fire. You have to worry about it might be too hot. You make a, you make a tefillah from Hezek Chamin Bovad. Rab Chilki of Rab Simon B'Shem, Rab Yeshua Ben Levi, tefillah ta'merachatz, ain't a tu'una This tefillah you don't have to be standing up for. You can even say it when you're sitting in the water. Uh, and you obviously don't stand up, because if you stand up, your nakedness is revealed. Next Mishnah. A person, even if bad things happen, makes a bracha dayan emet, and he says, God, I know you know what's right. We love God no matter what. We love God even with our yetzer tov, ube yetzara. Even though you're dying 
and you're being punished and you see that you're dying, whatever the disease or persecution is happening to you, do not lose your love of God. A friend, again, I, my father's yard side, I can tell you, he knew he was dying. He, he was omed by Avat Hashem until the last minute. A good friend of mine died yesterday. He, he was a chavruta of mine in Queens. Yaakov Meltzer, Zechot Tzadik, he died from complications from COVID. I read about it this morning. A person has to be... But, but the difference is, but the difference is these people didn't expect it. They didn't expect to die. That's true. But when they found out that they were dying, they did not lose their love of God. Rabbi Akiva was, was, was a tzaddik. And he, he died for teaching Torah. And yet, he never he didn't lose his avat Hashem. And even if you know you're dying, you do not lose your avat Hashem. Next page. Page three. You have to be worried. You have to be, your love of God has to be more important than your money. Whatever comes by to you, whatever it is, being quarantined, not being with your family. Realize how much we have, how great is our situation. A friend of mine called me up. He says, I'm getting depressed. He's a rabbi. His shul is closed. And it's, and I said to him, you know, you're lucky. <laughs> you have your family with you. I says, I only have, I have my wife and I have my daughter and now the dog, <laughs> but we don't have our children. We don't see our grandchildren. Be, with everything that's happening, be modem maod what you do have. If you happen to be standing in eyesight of the Eastern Gate of the Harabayit, don't start talking about jokes. Don't start being unserious. Because that door goes straight to the holiest place in the universe. If you're going to the Arabayas, go in with Anivut. Go, don't go in like you run the show. You should go into Arabayat. How? Not with your staff. Not with your minal. Not with your leather shoes, bapundato, your money belt, and with the dirt on your feet. Don't say I'm making a shortcut. And rikikan, if you have to, definitely do not spit. Do not spit in the Arabayat, Mikal Vachomer. When they used to say brachot in the Beit HaMikdash, and they would answer, they would say, they wouldn't just say Amen. They would say, Baruch Hashem Le'olam, uh, Me'olam. They would say, Baruch Hashem Kvodo Me'olam. So it used to be they said, Me'olam. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you are Baruch Hashem Kvodo Le'olam, to the world. But then, Mishikil Kavu Aminim, when the Christians, the Gnostics, the people who didn't believe, they said, what do you mean? This Only this world. There isn't a second world. Amru, there's only one world. There is no world to come. From this world, you're the Melech, you should be Mavurach in this world, in into the next world. We need to say that. Before that, of course, it's all one world. 
<laughs> Before that, we didn't think of it as two worlds. You die, you go to Gan Eden, Hashanah Baruch is going to bring the Olam Abba. It's all one world. You didn't have to say Olam Abba. But the meaning, the tzedukim, made, gave people doubts. So we needed to come up with a new phrase. Oh, there's another world. There's this world, and from this world going into the next world. But we needed to emphasize that. You could actually use the name Shalom when you're saying hello to somebody. You don't have to say, well, Shalom is the name of God. I'm not going to say that. No, you can say the name Shalom. You can say God's name when you're coming to say hello to somebody. And in fact, you can even use God's name. You could say Adonai. You could say Shalom. How do we know that? He said God's name, Boaz. He was talking to his workers. The Omer and the Pasuk says by Gidon, Hashem imcha gibor That's what the Malach says back to Gidon. The Omer. And now you're going to tell me you can't bring a proof from, from Boaz and Gidon. No, you can bring a proof from Tanakh. Altavos kizekenei mecha. Even though it's old in our history, we can use Psukim and Tanakh to teach us how to act as human beings. We can learn from the Chesed of Boaz, the Chesed of Ruth, the Tfilot of Chana, and we can learn Hanagot, how we need to talk to people. Don't be so frum. Say God's name. That was a Takana that they made. The people should say God's name when you meet someone. I walked outside today. My, I don't want to say who it was, but it was one of my neighbors. They walked by the house without looking up. You see someone in the street, say hello. I know it's Corona, we're not we're supposed to distance socially, but if you know that somebody is there, don't be afraid, you don't have to come close. But you should say hello, show them even more Kavo today. We need more Kavo today than we did a couple of weeks ago. Next. Now you're going to say, well, how can you use God's name for a social interaction? It's an eight lasos. We need to bond ourselves together. Invoke God's name, even if it's not about Tfilah and Torah. Even just about saying hello. Say Adonai. Say God's name, even though you're being connected just on a regular But it hello. says, This is not Lishov. You're saying Adonai Imach. It's not Lishov. You're using God's name and saying, I'm just meeting you on the street, but that's just as important as a tefillah. That's not Lishov. You're saying it because you love him, and, and, and he, he is also part of your religious life. The same way your tefillot and your learning, your interconnectedness with a person on the street is also Hashem Imach. And, and don't... But the Gemara says, Lishov, Lishlom, Chavero. That's what I'm talking about. That's what Boaz said. Hashem imach. Hashem imachem. He used the name of, he didn't say the word Hashem. He said, Adonai imachem. That's what Boaz said. He wasn't davening. He was saying hello. And and and, and, and for you, Ben Yo, that's what the Mishnah is saying. I know what it says in the Torah. Don't just use God's name. But this is an ace last even Robert, even yep, even you. even in the street and uh, even in the street a goy a goy not a goy street? not a goy 
not a guy, to another Jew. Rabbi, so, so Rabbi, sorry, but you say you said before you said you come out. Before, you said say hi to everybody. You said to say hello. Yes, but to use God's name to say I'm yeah, but... Say you can use that to speak to another Jew. That was a takana they made. I'm just reading you the Mishnah, and the Mishnah says, "Don't tell me you can't learn from Boaz because you can." And the Mishnah also says, "Don't say that. Oh, I can't use God's name in vain. I can't use God's name in vain." No, they understood too. It was a takana that they made because it's more important for us to be connected in a godly way in our community. God wants that to happen. That was the takana of the Chachamim. Rabbi Natan Omer, Heifiru Tarotech. Because Hashem Imachem. Yes, yes, Benya. Hashem Imachem. Yes. I'm saying Hashem Imachem is more like a bracha. Okay, but that's. It's like somebody saying, Okay, that that is a bracha. That's what you're saying. Hashem Imachem. That's Shoel Bechaveru Bishem. It's all the same thing. Right, that's not again. You look but at the you, but you, you, you said, Rabbi, you come out in the street, you see somebody, and you're talking only about Jew. Okay, all right. So the neighbor I saw today was a Jew. I was very disappointed that this Jewish neighbor—I don't want to tell you who it was. This Jewish neighbor like refused to even look up. That is wrong. If you see a non-Jew in the street, you should smile and say hello. If you see a Jew in the street, according to the Mishnah, you can even say you can use God's name and say Adonai Imachem. Now, I don't. Now, people don't do it today. All right, I can't explain to you why they don't. All I can tell you is is that the Mishnah was was more firm than we are, and the Mishnah says you can do it, and the Mishnah says you should do it. Next, Rav Berach all right, let's go on. Come on, we have about eight minutes. Rav Berachia b'shem Rav Levi. Al shem v'ata marom l'olam Adonai. L'olam yadcha yonah. God, you're right no matter what. In other words, that's what the Pesach says in Tilim. I can argue and figure out why did this happen to me? Why did I get sick? Why is this person hurt? I can't explain it. My friend Meltzer, who died, worked for Hatzalah. That was his job. He was a... He, trained himself to become a PA, physician's assistant. He worked in Williamsburg. He worked for Atzolo. He was in Kolo for many years. I learned with him together with Havruta. Why did he have to die? I don't know. But you need to say God was right. Next page. Dimus, page four. Oh, he's, he, uh, the, the king gave everybody off a dispensation. Nobody is guilty. Uh, amnesty. Oh, the king is great. When he gives punishments out, people say, oh, look what he did. He, This guy's going to have to die. What's going to be with his poor family? What's going to be with his widow? What's going to be with his children? Because even though that guy deserved to die, but it, it it flows out. His that if the head of the family dies, where does the rest of the family earn their living? Where does what's going to happen to the widows and the orphan, the widows widow and the orphans? Okay, 
the din works, God will take care of all the other people, the ancillary damage doesn't occur. We say God's punishment is correct. Ravuna Bishem Ravacha David Mizmor Chesed Mishpat Ashira Ashira what are we saying? If you're going to do chesed, then ashira. If it's mishpat, ashira. I'm going to praise and sing to God even if it was mishpat. And we never had mishpat. And we're having mishpat. And it's a shas mishpat. It's a shas of a din and it's a shas of a gzeirah nebuch. But we need to be mishorer and to be mizamer to Hashem. It's, it's so important what we're learning today. Benkach u benkach Hashem azamera. Omer Rav Tanchuma ben Yehuda. Belukim ahalel davar. If it's elokim, if it's midas adin, ahalel. Badonai ahalel davar. I don't see where we are. We're on the, we're on the fourth page. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. The eleventh line. I've got the cursor right on it. Belohim alel davar, badunai alel davar. Bein al midot adin. If it's midot adin that's happening, bein al midot arachamim. We're going to give praise to God. Rabbanan amrin kos yishuot asa uveshem adunai akra tsarav yogonim tsav uveshem adunai akra. It's all the same calling to God. Ekra, Loshan Chiba, like we say in Vayikra, this week's parasha, Vayikra, we call out positively to God, no matter what's happening. Omar Abudin ben Fila, who Sheiyav Omar, Eov said it. Adonai Natan, Vadonai Lakach, Yishem Adonai Mevorach. Keshenatan Barachamim Natan, it was God Onai, it was Rachamim. But even when he took Eov's children and Eov's family and people died, it was also Berachamim. And we know even more than that. When God decided to give good things, he didn't get advice. He didn't say, hey, Malach, should I give this human being good things? though, When God decides to punish someone, it's not just God by himself. God takes the advice of the Bedin of the Malachim and Shamayim. Amr Abelazar, how do we know that? Because it doesn't by Eov, it says Adonai Natan, and then there's a Vav. Vi Adonai Lakach. That Vav is a remez to the rest of God's uh, court. That's a remez to God's cabinet. That's the rest of God's Bedin. That's, uh, that's the Bedin. How do I know that? Because call Mokam Shenemar Ve Adonai, where there's a Vav, who Bedino. That's God with his with his Bedin. Binyan Av. Oh, sorry. What is the Binyan Av? Shebekulam. What is the proof to all of this? Because we know when Michiyahu, the famous Navi, in the time of Achav. Achav lived in Malchus Yisro in Ephraim. And I mentioned the other day, there was a time they wanted to make a, um, a rapprochement, a, uh, a, a bonding together of the two countries, Malchus Yisro and Malchut, uh, Bend, Malchut Yehuda. 
Yehoshaphat, the king, made a truce with Achav that they were going to fight Ammon. And the Navi in Beit Achav, the Tzaddik, Michiyahu, told Achav, you're going to die. And I saw in the Nevuah that you're going to die. Because it's because it, over there, it was God speaking to all his Bedin, his Pamal Yishomala, and he was saying, how can I get Achav to die? That's what Michio said. So when it's about a person dying and getting hurt, Hashem uses his whole counsel. Let's finish off with something very positive. Do mitzvot with a, a strong amount of love, but also balance it with yira. Have both. I don't know how many people we have here tonight, but many of you I know is people of great love. And other people I know are people who have great fear and fear Hashem and fear Diktuk Shel Averot. You can't be either one. You gotta be both. Sheim Bata Lisnoa, Asemava, always have a lot of love in the way you do mitzvot. Sheim Bata Lisnoa, because if you're gonna start hating the amount of work you need to do, the amount of diktuk, the amount of cleaning for Pesach, whatever it is, the amount of shmirah, the amount of things that you have to know, you're going to start hating it. You have to remember, wait, wait, wait. Da ki ohev. You're an ohev. Remember, you love God. You felt the closeness, the ecstasy. He's your friend, your lover. There ain't no ohev sonay. I don't care how much he's asking me to do. I can never hate. But also, asay mi'ira. You should also balance it with thinking about Gehenom, thinking about how Moliorz Kvodo, think about how nothing we are, how much we owe God, think about how, 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 how much God has done for us and what we haven't done for him, how much we have to fear his punishments. Why? Because you might come and say, yeah, I'm okay. Remember how you used to fear God? Go back. You need to balance between Ava and Yira and do both. And then to talk to yourself and say, no, I, I fear God. I'm not just going to go away from doing this. So you need really both. You need Ava and Yira. Shiva Prushavim, you're going to like this. There's seven types of people who are known as frumers. Proshim, they're Poresh from Averot. They are higher than other people. There's the Parushichmi. There's a Parush who's a shoulder one. Parushnikvi. There's the parish who says, wait. There's the parish kizoi. There's Mr. Balance parish. Parish man chayi. The parish who keeps on saying, what am I losing? Parish eida chalvoti. Ve'esena. The one who says, tell me what I did bad and I'll do something. Okay? Then there's parish yira and parish ava. First wide line towards the bottom. We're going to tell you what all these seven are. Parish shichmi the one who's the one on his shoulders, he's the guy who's out there showing off. Toyin mitzvatal kisva. Everybody sees him. Look, he's running. Look, he's the guy that goes and delivers chesed packages. He's the one. He makes sure that it's on his shoulder and everybody knows it. He's not such a bad guy, but he's not emes. He's doing it for people's for people's praise. It's on his shoulders. Well, how come he's always the guy out there? He's out there. True, he could be showing a good model for people. But there's also a part of it that's not so much L'Shem Shamayim. It's on his shoulders all the time. We have now Parish Nikfi. Who is that? He's the one 
who, when you want, you talk to him, he says, well, wait for me, I've got a mitzvah to do. He always slips that into the conversation. You say, uh, Kivalevich, can you come to my house? Um, oh, I've got a shear I'm giving now. Uh, I, I'll have to come a little later. What do I have to say that for? What do I need to tell you? Oh, I'm giving a shear now. I, I, oh, I can't come now. Oh, I'm in the middle of baking matzahs for everybody. That's also not a true parish. Next. Parish Kizoy, what does he do? Ovid Choda Chova Vachoda Mitzvah. Umekaza is Choda Bechoda. He's the type of guy who does what? He's the one, the type of guy who doesn't have a ra. And when he doesn't have a ra, he says, uh oh, I better do a mitzvah. In other words, he's got a little balance sheet. That's the type of frumkite he is. Oh, I did an Avera. Oh, no, I better do a big mitzvah now. And then he hopes it balances out. That's not a true Oved Hashem. Next. Hanachaya. He's the one who says, Man da'atli, man menachi. In other words, Oved Mitzvah. He's the one who says, all right, I'm ready to do a mitzvah. Uh, it's only going to cost me this much. I only have this much money, but I spend it all to do mitzvahs. He's always telling everybody how much he spent to do the mitzvah. He's always telling everybody how much it cost him to do the mitzvah. All right? Parish Eidachovativa essay. So he says, he tells people, oh, I'm not so from. Tell me what I did wrong. Tell me what I did wrong, please. He tells everybody, tell me my Averot. I'll do another mitzvah to make up for that. All of those people are not real Prushim. They aren't exactly balanced the way they should be. So what should you do? Parash, you have to be Parash Yirak Eov. You have to fear God. You have to be a Parash like Eov was. Parash Avak Avram. The greatest you can be is like Avram. Avram Avinu Asa Tov. Avram Avinu had a Yetzirara. He worked on it and he changed it. He transformed it. We say it in Tila every day. It's my Pasuk. Because that's my name, Avram. He changed his heart. Both hearts, even the parts that would be for desire and ta'ava, they were neman. He had turned his yetzer tov into, yetzeram, sorry, into yetzer tov. Amar said, you think he lost because of that? You think now he doesn't have a yetzerah anymore? God doesn't think that he's really struggling? No. What does it say right after that? The karati mobrit. When Avram reaches that level, God says, now I'm ready to make a covenant with you for all time. Now, that was Avram. He was in a very high madrega. David David tried to be like Avram, but it didn't work. David tried to transform his Yetzir Hara into into Yetzir Tov. It was very hard for him. He couldn't do it. So what did he do? He did something else. He killed the Yetzir Hara. He's had it. He couldn't change his tava to Avas Hashem. So he became a non-tava person. He destroyed the Yetzara that was in him. And that's what it says, Belibi Chalal Bikirbi. That his lev was, was, was dead in him. He had died. He killed his, the, the, the Yetzara within him. Two, two Drachim and Avorot Hashem. David Amelech and Avram Avinu. 
All right, that's it for the Yerushalmi. I hope you enjoyed it tonight. Tomorrow we're going to see how Rabbi Akiva died in the Yerushalmi. We would have been different than in the Bavli, somewhat different. And that's going to be tomorrow's uplifting Yerushalmi. Let's now turn. Let's see if there's any uh, comments on the uh, on the chat. I don't see any comments. Let's now turn to the Bavli. By the way, just tell me, is it better to have the screen? Is it better for everyone that the screen is there? That you can much see? better. Okay. All right. Okay, here we go. Um, we're starting from the Mishnah. I'm going to make it a little bit larger so you could see. Bet Shamai Omrim. Ein Shorin Dio Vesamamanim Vikarshinim. All of these things need soaking in a special instrument. One of them is ink. You need to put the proper uh, uh, recipe into a container for the ink to come together. Now, and then it becomes ink you're going to use after Shabbat. You're not going to use it on Shabbat, the ink. But it's wor- it's actually processing during Shabbat. The Samanim. What are you going to do with them? After Shabbat, you're going to use them to dye your clothing. The next thing we're talking about is karshinim. This is called cress, C-R-E-S-S. It's a type of vegetable that you stuff a number of them together in this pot, and the water comes together in a special pot. And it congeals it all together, and it turns into good animal feed to feed your animals probably after Shabbat. So you are not allowed to put these in before Shabbat unless unless it will finish by Friday evening. It has the process has to be finished. We're going to what we're going to be uh, learning about is the shitav shamai, and that is that your kalim cannot work for you on Shabbat. The same way you can't do melacha, shamai says there's an isur from the Torah, from a pasuk that he learns it out that objects that you own, machinery that you own, objects that do a job, cannot be working for you on Shabbat. Hillel disagrees, but this is shamai's opinion. Your oven is on on Friday afternoon and it keeps on burning and working on to Friday night. But you want to put flax in there. In order, why you put flax in there? Because you want to blanch it. You want to make it white. If you put it in too late Friday afternoon and it's becoming colored, it's the oven is working for you. The oven is causing the flax to turn white. That is, your your, your tanur cannot work for you on Shabbat. And you can't put the wool into a pot of fire. 
It has to, before Shabbat, be able to turn the color that you want the wool to turn into. Now, the reason why we divided the Mishnah into two cases is because this is a case where normally even Shammai might agree. Because you are allowed to have stuff cooking on an oven from Arab Shabbat into Shabbat. So you would think that maybe Shammai would agree that these are pots of fire. You're allowed to have pots on fire that are still on the oven on Shabbat. But here, what we're worried about is not the fact that you're going to stoke the fire. Your pot cannot work for you. Your oven cannot work for you. You own it, and something is happening inside that pot and happening inside that oven. Next, ein porson mitsudot chayav ofot vedagim. If you're a hunter or a fisherman, you cannot put out you cannot put out traps on Arab Shabbat unless you know for sure that there's that those traps are going to catch animals before Shabbat. Otherwise the trap that you own is working for you. It's doing a malacha for you. It's doing the malacha called Seda on Shabbat. Beitilo Matirin how do you have businesses that are open on Shabbat? According to Shammai, you've got a problem about anything that you own working on Shabbat. Hillel allows it, but this is the sheet of Shammai. Bet Shammai Omrim, Ein Mochrin Lenachri. This is another Takanash, this is a Gzeirah, not an Isur from the Torah. Normally, you could sell a Goy, like we talked about selling Chametz or selling the chicken. You can sell a Goy anything. But Shammai said you cannot sell him something Friday afternoon. Because people see you leaving, people see him leaving your house with the object that they thought was yours, an object that was known to be yours. People think the Goy is doing a job for you on Shabbat. That's also for you, for a Goy to do jobs for a Jew. That's called Amir Lenochri. And but Shammai adds to that the idea of marat ayin. People do not. People assume the worst, and when they see the goy leaving your house, they assume that the goy is doing a job for you. So Shammai said, "Don't sell him anything. They ain't tone anymore, and don't try to be outside of your house helping him uh, pack his animal." And the Jew selling to a Jew. A Jew, you don't have to worry about because the Jew is obviously not doing a malach on Shabbat with it. But the non-Jew, just listen, Effie, and you don't lift something up with him. Because unless the people, who the nosy bodies, the nosy neighbors that are watching realize he could get to his house before Shabbat, and he's not doing anything for you on Shabbat. But if, if it takes him, if he lives a number of miles away, and he's walking through Rishut Arabim on Shabbat, people will say, oh, you know what the Jew did? You know what Yankel did? Yankel hired that guy to carry for him on Shabbat. So in order for people not to be worried about, uh, not to be Choshashu, we made an Isser of dealing with him on Friday. Next. Beitilo matirin. Beitilo says you're allowed to. We're not worried about maratayin. But shameyomrim ain't no tenorot lavadin. You don't go on Friday afternoon to the tannery 
and give the tanner skins in order for him to work on. You don't go to the Chinese laundry and give uh, your clothes to the non-Jewish uh, laundry person. Only if it's possible for them to finish before Shabbos starts. Now, Shammai knows that many of them are going to do it later. But it doesn't have to happen later. As long as the guy could do it before Shabbat starts, according to Shammai, it's all right. Betil allows you to bring the laundry, even what? Im Hashemesh. You could even bring it to him right before the sun goes down. You're not telling him when to do it. Therefore, you can bring wherever he does it. He does it. That's his own cheshbon, according to Beit Hillel. Amram Shimon Gamliel, Beit Abba Kli Lavan Nachri. says, my father, who was the Nasibi Yisrael, Rabbi Gamliel, the people in our family would give the laundry to the non-Jews, but they would give it three days before Shabbat. Because they didn't want people to think that they were working or being hired on Shabbat to do it. But everybody agrees, however, that the non-Jew is able to push down on the oil and on the uh, on the wine, on the grapes, that you're allowed to do. Why? Um, because we know there's no Aveira that the Goya is doing. Rashi explains here on the side, because the other things, Kvisa is a Av Melocha. Washing laundry is an Av Melocha. But once the, once the, um, the uh, material is already started to be crushed, and you're just crushing it more, the wine or the oil, that's not a Melocha Minat Torah. That's not called Dush. I'll read you the words of Rashi. Rashi says, on the side, that's where the grapes or the olives have not been crushed during the day. That's called mifarek. That's squeezing out the oil or the juice. And the juice is in it, and you're like, like milking the cow, taking the thing that's growing inside the animal and extracting it taking the juice that's living inside the fruit and extracting it out. You don't put the big beam on until you first crush the grapes and the olives. Then you put the giant beam on. And when it comes to the grapes, first you, you, you stomp on them with your feet and then you crush them. So therefore, the liquid is already starting to come out. It comes out a lot quicker when you put the big beam down. But that's not an av melacha. And therefore, if a goy does that, he's not doing a melacha for you, even according to, even Shammai would allow that. We saw in our Mishnah that Shammai says, oh, you got to be careful because what's happening? Um, you put right. You're putting the, you're putting uh, some of the material into the container. Now, 
all you did was put water in. All you did was put water into the container with the rest of the recipe for the ink. Who holds that's a problem? Well, who says that's really the malach of lisha? What what malach is it? Gibul. It's the malach of making a solid with liquid and putting it all together. But all you did was put water in, and then it sort of happens. Omar says that's Rebihi. The Tanya Echa Nosnet Akemach Echa Nosnet Amayim Ha'achron Chayiv Divrei Rebbe. Rebbe said that if it comes to making a dough, that one puts the flour and one puts water. The one who throws flour in, he doesn't do anything with his hand. Just putting the flour in, sorry, just putting the water in is enough to be chayiv. Rabbi Yossi says, no, ain't no chayiv yigabil. You have to actually put your hand in there and, and mix it up. So our Mishnah seems to be like Rabbi Yossi, like Rabbi. Rabbi Yossi says you have to start mixing with your hand when it's flour and water. The bar When it comes to ink, once you put the ingredients in there in water in the proper type of container, they will come together even without your hand moving. You'd be chayiv even without moving it with your hand. Okay, no, no, no. You can't say that Rabiosi agrees to the case of ink. The Tanya, we learn in Abraisa, You're trying to make some sort of soap. So one puts in the ashes, one puts in the water. Rebbe says that's called gibul. You're making a solid. You put the water in the afer, it's now going to mix together. So you see, even when it comes to afer, even when it comes to ashes, you need to use your hand to mix these things together. So the same thing would be with the with the recipe, the ingredients that you're using for ink. For ink also, it would not be considered a malacha, and your keili would not be you working for you unless you actually move it together. The keili doesn't do that. The keili just provides the space for these two things to float and come and become one thing. But the keili does, is not a mixer. The keili doesn't mix the pieces together and form them into a solid chunk of ink. They just float together and bond there. That's not a malocha. Even according to Shammai, it shouldn't be a problem unless Shammai agrees with Rebbe. But according to Rebbe Yossi, it wouldn't be a problem. Umara so we says, follow Hillel? We follow Hillel, though. Yeah. Vedilma, my afer, my afer, goes on. Oh, far. No, no, maybe Yossi only argues there because he's talking about dirt. Dirt, you need to use your hand. The bar gibahu. Dirt, you need your hand to mix with the water to make it into a gush. Umara says, no. Atanya Efer, Atanya Ofer. We have a Braita talking about making this soap, and it says making it with dirt and making it with ashes. So you see, you see that it's talking about dirt and ashes separately. And ashes don't need the hand movement. And still, Yossi says you got to use your hands to be a malocha. Mars says, one second. How do you know the Braita was together? Midi Gabi Adodi Tanya. Were these Braisas next to each other? 
could be it said Afer in one place, Afer in the other place, but where it said Afer in that first place, it really was Afer, because many times Chazal got, the, the, the writer got confused, and sometimes he really meant to say dirt, and he said ashes instead. But it could be when it comes to things like ashes or ink ingredients, it could be everybody says you don't need to use your hands. And even Rabbi Yossi would say that it's a malacha. And that's why Shammai holds pouring it into a container before Shabbat, if it's not going to congeal when by Shabbat starts, is a problem. Taner Abonon. Potkin mayim legina erev Shabbos im That you open up the berez, you open up the faucet from where your water is, you have your water in a ditch, you open up the faucet, you rise up the, 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 the door, and the water now pours into your garden, Erev Shabbat Im Chashecha, and it pours into, from Erev Shabbat it starts to pour, and all Friday night, and all Shabbos morning, you have irrigated your crops. Kulan, you're allowed to do that according to the Brayta, because you started before Shabbat. Umanichan mugmar tachat hakelim erev Shabbat. You can take incense that creates a, a very strong, solid smell, and you put your shirt and your bekesha and your frock and your dress over the mugmar, and then it starts to elevate into the dress and it starts to create a sweet smelling pleasant feeling into your clothing and you can put a salve if you have a eye if your eyes are bothering you you can put a special salve onto your eye a special medicinal salve s-a-l-v-e onto your eye the espelanius maka or if you have a wound, you can dress the wound with special medication and you can put it on there when? Erev Shabbos, before Shabbos. And even though it's working the whole Shabbos, you started before Shabbos, you have not violated anything. But if, if it's Erev Shabbos and you want to crush wheat kernels to turn them into flour, even though you're using a water uh, mill, a mill that's done by water, you can only put that in you have to make sure the grinding and it's turned into flour already before Shabbat starts. Now why is this different? Obviously this is not like Shammai, because according to Shammai, you're, you're, you're your pipe was working for you on Shabbos, and all these other things were working for you on Shabbos. What's the difference between the, the mill and the other things? So the Gemara answers a very important yisod. This is called uh, the noise that it's making. We don't want certain things to be on on Shabbos, even though we didn't turn them on. This is one of the historium of having your TV set by a Shabbos clock. There's other problems, but this is definitely one of them. You don't want something that is working in your house on Shabbat that makes a noise. This makes a lot of noise, this mill, 
because you can hear the banging of the of, of the of the thing hitting the wall, whatever it is, the metal hitting the rock and the water, and you're you're hearing that on Shabbat. You don't want that. That's like something that's a zilzal in Shabbat. Why are you telling me the reason that's usher? Is because it's making noise. Why? Rabbi Yosef says maybe it should be usher because the mill was working for you on Shabbos. The Tanya it says, What is it? Everything I've said to you, keep Shabbos with. So, that comes to include Shvitat Kalim. Even your Kali cannot work on Shabbat for you. That's, so Rabbi Yosef feels everybody, even Hillel, should hold a Shvitat Kalim. El Omer of Yosef, Mishum Shvitat Kalim. Rav Yosef says the reason why the mill can't work for you is because items that you own cannot be working for you on Shabbat. Mar says, what second? If that's true, if Rav Yosef is right, hash to the Amr if Hilo holds a Shvisas Kalim, if that's true, he holds just like Shammai, Daraita, Gofrisu Mugmar, my time Why in the same Brisa did we allow the incense to work for you. The incense was working all Shabbat. Shabbos morning, you, you take, you pick up the jacket, and it's nice and steamed, and it's nice and smelly, the smell that you like. If, if, if Shammai, if Rabbi Yosef is right, that, Sham, that Hillel also to Shvi says Galen, then how could this Bryson make sense about Mugmar? Because it doesn't make as much noise with the clothes. R- right, but that that's according to Rabbah. But according to Rabbi Yosef, the reason why you can't use the, the mill is because of Shvisas Kalim. So that should apply to the Mugmar. That should apply to the incense as well. The incense, the Gemara thinks, is probably uh-huh. in, the incense is probably in a container. That's a Kali that you own, and you put the incense and the fire in there before Shabbat, and it's working on Shabbat. The censure pan, whatever you call it, is working on Shabbat. So, but he's not doing any melacha. Right. Oh, yes, it is. It's 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 burning and it's and it's making the keli. It's makabepatish on the keli. The keli, the beged now is a better keli. So you're fixing the keli. You're making the keli nice and good smelling. That's like a better keli than it was before. So let's see what the gemara answers. Gemara says, mishum dekeloavin masa. And this is sort of what you're saying, Moshe. <laughs> when it comes to the other things, you can see inside the pot something is happening. Here, the, the begot is on top of the pot. In other words, my keli is, in other words, you can see in the keli the malach is occurring. That's not happening. The, the smoke is going into the begot that's on top of that. But in the, in the pot itself that the incense is burning in, no malach is occurring. That's how we're making the difference. And that's sort of what you were saying, Moshe, right? So even though it's true, something is happening outside of the keli, but it, my keli itself is not doing it anything. That's one answer. Okay, so the Gemara says, Onan shalpishton, my time is shari. <laughs> what, about, uh, what about the fact when you stick the, uh, the pishton into the oven? The Gemara says, also, Mishum the low oven masa. It's true, the pish, the, your, your oven is burning. Your oven's not really doing anything. The pishton that's there is getting white. 
but it's not really the oven doing anything. And therefore, uh, the oven's not moving, it's not changing. So Hillel, in other words, Shammai might have a, a, a stricter interpretation of what Shvisas Kalim is. Hillel says, my Kalim's not doing anything. I put pieces of flax in there, and the Kaylee is, uh, they're turning white, but my oven is doing the same thing it's always doing. There's nothing special my oven's doing that it wasn't doing before. One second. What about what we said earlier in, 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 in the Mishnah? What about Mitsudat Chayeva Ovidogim? What about the, what about the, 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 the net? <laughs> the net is doing something, right? The net catches. The, the fish gets caught into the trap. The trap is sprung. That trap moved. The trap changed. The trap moved. Hillel says you can do that. And there's not a problem of putting up the trap before Shabbat. I, the trap, did something for you on Shabbat. So let's see what the Gemara answers. The Gemara says, Mitsuda's ofidogim tekoven maisa. My time is sorry. Awesome. Nami, we're not talking about normal, like a trap, like a, a trap to catch a mouse, where you put the cheese and the mouse touches the cheese and then the, the thing springs and breaks his neck. We're talking about over here, we're talking about what? Um, talking about an oven. Let, no, we're, but the trap we're talking about is the kukari. We're talking about you stick the food into the net and the fish swims into the net himself and just the other side is narrow. He can't get out. But there's no mechanism that's happening. You don't see any mechanism of trapping. The fish goes in and it's narrow at the other end. He can't get out. That's all what we're talking about. So therefore, the trap doesn't really work. There's nothing really happening internally in the trap. That's why Hillel says, I'm not, it's not a problem. That was the Shita of Rabbi Yosef. Really, Hillel doesn't agree with this Pasuk. It's only Shammai who makes a drasha from this pasuk, that you can't use your kalim on Shabbat, that your kalim can't work for you on Shabbat. Really, Hillel holds no. Even though your kalim, you can see it churning, trapping, there's no isur. Then who is the, what, shouldn't Shammai allow mugmar? Ihochi, omidbet, mugmar. Vigofrit, my time is Shari Bechamai. Why isn't Mugmer and Gofrit allowed? Mar says, Hotam Munach Aara Gigis. I'm sorry, Munach Aara. It's not in a container. Basically, you put the incense on the ground and then you string your clothes on top of them. But there is no Kaili. There's no Kaili to be Nizaran. Gigit vener vikteira vishvud. What about a gigit? What about a barrel? Or what about a, a candle? But Shammai is not going to let you have a candle burning in your house? What about a shvud? What about a, sti- a spit of, of, of that meat is, 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 is on, uh, on an open fire? Shammai wouldn't allow that on Shabbat? My time is shari bet Shammai. 
So the Mar says, according to Shammai, you need to do something special in order to use a spit or a candle. What do you have to do? Dimafker lehu. You need to make them hefker. Before Shabbat, you need to announce, I, according to Beit Shammai, I renounce ownership of these items, and it's not my keli that's working for me. A kumbina like that. Now, Asisis and Turmasin were the types of beans that they need almost more than 24 hours of mixing to be able to eat them. You aren't going to be eating this on Shabbat at all. You're going to be eating this Saturday night or Sunday. But we know we have a Brayta that says, a woman should not fill up her pot with these beans and put them into the oven Friday, even though she's only going to put them, eat them on Saturday night. And if she puts them in on Friday afternoon, she can't have bean curd soup on Saturday night like she wanted. She has to wait. She has to wait the amount of time it would take for them to be ready. In other words, you have to negate all 24 hours. She has to wait another 24 hours almost before she could use it. A Nachtom who's planning on baking bread on uh on Saturday night, but he wants his wants his uh wants the water that he's using for the dough to be nice and lukewarm, not too cold. So he puts them in the oven for all of Shabbos. He shouldn't put a whole barrel of water so that brayta, what's wrong with it? What? Why did we make exera against the person as if he did something wrong? He didn't use this stuff on Shabbos. The oven was working and making the the liquid lukewarm. The oven was was cooking the bean well enough that it could be used Saturday night. Why are we machmer on this person? Is this like Beit Shammai? Could this b'risa be Beit Shammai? It might be Beit but what? So now we're inventing a new Easter now. The keli itself is not the problem. The problem is you mentally will open the oven and stir the coals. Because when you know something is cooking, you forget it, Shabbos, and you get nervous about it. This is a new takana, not what the Mishnah was talking about. The Mishnah was talking about Shvisa's Kalim, and that, according to most of the Amaroyim, Hillel rejects. But now we have a new Isur, a new Isur de Rabbanon of starting to cook something on Erev Shabbat that's not fully done, because during Shabbat, you might decide to open the flame and make it hotter in order to get what you want for Saturday night. That's a new Isser. And that's an Isser even Beis Hillel holds of. Okay, oh, one second. What about the Mugmar and the Gophers? Maybe you're going to want your, your Begit to be ready even earlier, and you're going to come and stoke the coals. The Mar says, no. Awesome. Lo machti lihu. There, you don't want to kick the coals. 
Because if you kick the coals and you get a, 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 you generate greater heat, what's going to happen? There's going to be smoke that'll actually cause the clothes to feel smoky. You don't want that to happen. And therefore, psychologically, a person won't do it. It's the type of thing that even Akiva will admit a person doesn't have a Yetzir Hara to operate on Shabbos. Smoke will get into the clothes, and that's bad for them. What about what we talked about, the, 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 the uh, flax, that the flax are being blanched? Maybe the person will open the oven and try to turn the flame up in order to make sure that it gets really white. If you open the oven, the, the 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 wind from outside will affect the the flax that you're trying to blanch. So even though you do want extra heat to blanch it properly, but you weigh the person psychologically won't do that because he doesn't want to open the oven because the wind that comes in from the outside is bad for the flax. Okay, lo megalulu semer liora ligzor. What about the person sees the tzemer? What about that he's going to try to stir it a little bit further to make sure that, that the dye is hot enough and that it's going to uh, to work for the clothing? What about that? So the Gemara says, we're talking about biyora akura. We're talking about a yora that is basically akura. Let's see what that is. I forgot what that was for a second. Um, yeah, that's basically not on the flame anymore. So what we're talking about is not real bishul. In other words, it's it's considered a klisheni now. It's not a klisheni. It's not on the or. It's a klirishon off the flame. So it's when it's not the same chomer of bishul. So therefore, we're not worried. He took it off the fire already. We're not worried about it. But now the Gemara says something very important. The Gemara says, but maybe. Maybe what's going on, as you can see, is Shema Meguspa. Maybe you're going to stir it. So I need to explain something here. Stirring is a problem even when it's off the flame. When you have food that you lift off the oven, you off the crock pot, and you stir it, that is, might be a Malacha Daraisa of Bishol if it's not 100% cooked yet. All right? It's the same thing here. When you, even though it's true, the water is not on the flame, but if the person stirs it, he's going, that's called bishul of the tzamamonim. Right? And it's called dying. He's, 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 he's either cooking the water more or he's causing D-Y-E-I-N-G to happen. So therefore we're saying that according to Hillel, it should be a problem. Um, so let's see what the Gemara answers. The Gemara says, Biakura Vitucha. We're talking about it's off the flame and it's also covered with a covering. And around the covering, you put some teat around it. You put some clay around it. So it's bound there. So this is like a shmira. You know, the guy is not going to open it up. He's not going to break the seal. That's already like an alarm. It's like a shmira against doing anything like that. Page. Okay, we're, we're on page three. 
and you see where the cursor is, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. So we're almost finished. If you're telling me, even according to Beis Hillel, the person might not control himself and might stir the coals, Counterintuitive. You are allowed to put what? You are allowed to put onto a pot of, 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 of before Shabbat totally raw meat that you know can only be ready by Saturday afternoon. My timer, there's no way that it's going to be ready tonight. And by you stoking the coals, you're not going to eat it tonight. So therefore, uh, you are psychologically calm. You say, you know what, I'll wait till tomorrow. You know it's raw. You know that by tomorrow afternoon, it'll be nice and cooked. You can put the raw chulant in. We don't think you're going to touch it because we don't think you're going to be opening the oven or doing anything like that, stoking the coals, because we know it's not going to help tonight anyway. It, it just needs time because it was raw meat. Since it was raw meat, it's going to be till tomorrow. It's going to be used for the chamin. That's right. So therefore, you know that's not going to be ready till tomorrow. Okay, now uboshil also shaper dummy. What you said, Moshe, if it's totally cooked before Shabbos, we also don't think you're going to put the heat up on it. Because why should you? Now uboshil velo boshil osir. But let's say it's not completely cooked. It's partially cooked, but not completely cooked. You might start thinking, aha, uh-huh, maybe I can get this to be ready tonight even. It was partially cooked. You can't, you, you, you can't hold yourself back. That would be us according to Beit Hillel. But there's an garma. If you throw a raw bone in there, that's not going to be ready until tomorrow. If you throw a raw bone into the cholent that's half cooked, once you have one part of it that you know won't help, the person will remember and stay away from it the whole night. Shopper dummy. Okay, so that is, I think, as far as we're going to do tonight. Uh, we'll continue from this spot tomorrow, but now we see there are takanot about worrying about putting food onto the oven, Erev Shabbat, even according to Hillel. Not that your oven or your pot was working, but we're afraid of you forgetting about being Shabbat and trying to get this thing cooked more. And we also see where there's a psychological reason not to. So some of those things are going to come up tomorrow. But I think we've done enough for today. Um, how many people did we have today? Let's take a look. I'm going to... Rabbi, uh, Rabbi. Yes. Rabbi, if you, if you take a bottle, bottle uh, like Chavit, and you put it underneath the Marzev to collect the water, and before Erev Shabbat, you can use this water after Shabbat. Um, okay, the screen is off. Uh, can you use the water after Shabbat? Explain, give me the question one more time, Sion. I'm sorry. The question, if you put a bottom, a chavit, 
A barrel, yes. Chavit, Shabbata? Yes, Shabbata. A barrel, yeah. Yes. And the, yeah, and the, the garden, the leader. Yes. And collect the water before Shabbat. You can use this water after Shabbat? And it was, yes. In other words, it was, it was leaking into the barrel all Shabbat. It's not hot water. You can use yeah. that after Shabbat, yes. No. Yeah, okay. All Thank right, you. everybody. Bye-bye. So we'll see everyone tomorrow at 7.40. Those no, 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 we also give a share every day. Okay, take care, everyone. I'm, gonna, I'm going to stop. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.